Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Eagle Naz Church Podcast. My name is Trevor, and I'm one of the pastors here at Eagle Naz. We hope that the next 30 minutes helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus and that you will see how God wants to move in your life. Thanks for listening. I am Mike Mortimer. I'm the senior high pastor here at Eagle Naz, and it is a blessing to have a heritage that I get to come after Pastor Matt uh, in, in these kids that come through his ministry, and as I spend time with them, the depth uh, that they have. And you can see by the pictures behind me, I've been on staff for two months, and it has been a busy, crazy two months. Uh, we take a few things very seriously in uh, high school ministry uh, one of those things we take very seriously is that we're not very serious. Now, we do get serious from time to time, but uh, it has been, I mean, all-nighters, summer camp. Uh, we, we, we had over 80 kids at Lucky Peak, and we had eight wake boats and jet skis and carne asada. I mean, what's not to love about youth ministry in Idaho? Uh, we're going camping later this year. We've got backpacking trips planned. It is a wonderful time to be part of Eagle Naz. But I'll tell you the most exciting thing is that over the two months that I've been on staff at Eagle Naz, uh, I have had the opportunity to see God work in amazing ways. We've had uh, between uh, senior high camp and uh, Malibu, which is the Young Life camp, has happened the same week. Uh, and just through those two things, uh, we have seen over, we've seen seven kids give their heart to Jesus for the very first time. We've had 15 kids that have rededicated their life to Jesus in a new, fresh way, making him the center of their life. We've had a handful of kids that have said, I, I feel God's calling me into ministry, uh, worship ministry, youth ministry, senior pastoring, missions. I don't know what he's doing, but I feel like he's gifted me, and I, I'm telling God that I'm willing to go into ministry. Oh, five or six kids that have been called into ministry in our high school group. There is a movement going on. There is a revival that is happening throughout this valley that the heartbeat is happening right here at Eagle Ness. I'm pretty excited, as you can tell. Listen, there's plenty of ways that you can get involved, but I just want to share two of those with you really quickly. Uh, in your seat back pocket, there's a card that looks like this. It says, I'm in on it. We are starting a prayer challenge for our high schoolers. And this is something that every one of you can get a part of. It's a two-week challenge. My wife, Kelsey, is going to lead. And after we get back from NYC, if you sign up for the prayer challenge, then, uh, then you will get notified by us on a daily basis with prayer points. You'll find testimonies from our families. You'll get videos from kids. And you, we will pray in unity for what, what we feel that God is calling us to moving into the fall in planting a youth church right here at Eagle Nass. And so we're, we want you to be a part of that. Uh, the other thing is, as we grow in number, we also need to grow in leaders. Uh, and so we need, we need folks that if you're kind of stirred by watching those silly photos and hearing what's going on, uh, if you're stirred, that might be God calling you to be a part of, of our high school ministry in one way or another. And, and that can be through a, be a small group leader. We need people that know how to cook. We need people that know how to drive a boat. We need people that know how to go camping. I mean, come on, leadership in high school ministry looks a little different than what you might be used to in church. Uh, and so if those are the two things I could, I'd like you to sign up for. So you just, you can put your name and your contact information at the top. And down here where it says other, just put high school prayer. If you put high school prayer, then your information will get, get into Kelsey's hands and you'll get on our prayer challenge team. 
And so you'll be starting to hear about that. You'll get notified if you put high school prayer. If you put high school leader, then I'll, I'll get in contact with you and we'll work out what, what, what kind of place do you fit in in our high school ministry. So, so those are the two things you can sign up for, high school leader uh, or high school prayer. When you get done with that, there's boxes in the doors. There's one over here and one going out the back door and one on this door. You can just fold that up, stick it in that box, and I will get it. Uh, and, and I'll follow up with you after NYC, which we are praying for all of our NYC. Can you believe it? That it is, we've been looking forward to NYC for months. How many of you participated at our, at our NYC auction we did months ago, right? I mean, that was our big kickoff fundraiser, and now here we are, on the verge. Wednesday, we should have a big church send-off right here on Wednesday. Yeah, no, the 3.15 a.m., <laughs> You guys could all join in, big banners, 3.15 a.m. We are, uh, we're heading out from here to, gra- <laughs> to grab our, our uh, 5.40 flight out of Boise uh, to head to Phoenix. 40 kids, it's, it's going to be incredible. And we're going to be praying for all of our students and our leaders next service. Uh, and so if you want to be a part of that, don't, you, can, you can come back and come to two services. There's nothing against that, right? I didn't, I didn't think so. It is a... How many of you went to Eagle Fun Days yesterday? Man, I tell you. For people that aren't from here, you, can, you walk around Eagle Fun Days and you just see these faces like, everybody that's from California is like, you're wasting too much water. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we are. I told my son to make him feel better. I said, but listen, all this water goes back into the system. It goes back into the, we get to reuse all this water. We're not wasting it. We're just repurposing it. (laughs) Next year, I've decided, Nate, you can help me with this. Next year, I say that we do a a high school float. And we go into the wet and wild part of this. And we need some help. We need some engineers here that can figure out how to get this enough water in the vehicle, and I'd like ice in the water. We need it to be freezing as we're... Squ- I mean, we've got a, maybe lo- big launchers, balloon launchers. I mean, we've got to come up with something that's never been done. But uh, next year, Eagle Fun Days, I think we... I did see the, uh, the motorcycle ENC ride with us, huh? That was pretty awesome. Hey, we are, uh, jump- we are in, a, in the Summer of Psalms uh, here at Eagle Naz. Pastor Tim, who you saw the video of, has been on sabbatical. And we have had incredible preachers come through Eagle Naz here uh, and share their heart, what God is showing them about Psalms. And today, I wanted to, to take you through my journey a little bit. I'm one of those that I don't connect with Psalms very well. Historically, that's not the book I would go to for my personal devotional time or in time of need. And so during this time of preparing for this message, I've gone through a bit of a journey. And God has opened my eyes up, and I want to share a little bit of my journey with you about Psalms. Some of this might be a bit of review for you, uh, but I think it's valuable here at about the midway point to get back into the history of what the Psalms is about and see if God doesn't work through this process uh, with you like he did with me to open my eyes up about what this book is all about. So just walk with me briefly. It won't take us too long. Uh, I'm a whiteboard guy, so we're going to try this. Let's do a test. Can you see? Oh, look at that. I'm right up there. So most of us are aware that, uh, that Psalms is a com- combination 
of poems, we've got songs, and we've got prayers. And all those things make up the psalms. Now, all these poems, songs, and prayers have, have a lot of things in common, but one of the main things that's in common is that they were all for the purpose of these array, uh, Israelites. And, and so when we think of Israelites and Psalms, we've got to kind of look at what are the major figures within the Israelite history that the Psalms has to do with. Now, uh, I'm a timeline guy, so we're going to start there. Now, uh, this is the cross, which would represent Jesus, and we're going to head backwards to here. So this would be before Christ, uh, before Jesus. This is going backwards in time. And right about here at 1500 BC, we have a major figure in Israelite history. Uh, does anybody have a guess who the major figure in Israelite history was at 1500 BC? Abraham was a little further back. Not David, that's close. Moses, that's right. The smart guy in the Flowers. That's my dad. So we have Moses. Now we do have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob's son Joseph, coat of many colors, thrown into the pit, ends up in Egypt. Hebrew people are slaved in Egypt, but it's Moses that brings them out of Egypt, right? Ten Commandments, parting the Red Sea, Ten Commandments. And a lot of what Psalms is about reflects back to Moses. And here's why. We miss this as common day Eagleites. But the Israelites were well aware of these stories of Moses and what the, what the Psalms were relating to with Moses. So the teachings of Moses are known as the Torah. And the Torah is spoken a lot in throughout the Psalms. The Torah is also refers to the first five books of the, of the Old Testament, the, the, the teachings of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Next we have at 1000 BC, you've said this already, is this dude named David. Now David, a lot of us think that all of Psalms was written by David, and, and we hear that a lot, but that's not actually true. Only about half of the Psalms are attributed to David. Either that he wrote them, they're written about David, or by the instruction of David. And those are the Davidic Psalms, about half of those. So that's about 1,000 B.C. Now David, we, we kind of have the high points of David. David and Goliath, right? Same David. As a, as a kid, he knocks down the, the giant Philistine. Uh, we know King David, and, and he had an incredible reign in Jerusalem of the, of, of, uh, as a king that was the man after God's own heart. And then we also know his struggles with Bathsheba and his train wreck of relationships that he had through that. Can you guys see this? You want me to move this out of the way? I guess you've got a video screen. So David, we hear about all the positive things, but David had a struggle in most of his life. Uh, even as a child, he was on the run. He, he was in hiding. Did he change his relationship with God? No. Constantly, we read both in his historical uh, books of telling his story as well as in Psalms, that he tried to maintain this idea of who God was, even though he was in the midst of a struggle. And that's kind of been a model for us uh, as we read Psalms, is this is a model, and the Israelites took this as a model as well. How David related to God is how we should relate to God. 
And so Psalms is unique in that, in that this is the book of the Bible where it's man connecting to God, man relating to God. Every other book in the Bible is God connecting, relating, teaching, having a, uh, a moment with man. But Psalms is man reaching up and connecting with God, modeled by David and his struggles and how he's still connected with God even through the struggles. Now, up until David's time, between Moses and David, the presence of God was, was carried, it was mobile. And so we have the tent of meetings, the Ark of the Covenant, kind of a mobile temple, a tent, where the presence of God was there. And, and so Moses would be able to go into the presence of God, connect with God, and then come out and tell the people what God was saying. When David became the king of Jerusalem, as a man that really valued this history and who God was, he said, let's take the, the tent of God, the tent of meetings, and make a temple. We're going to create an incredible physical structure for God to reside in. The presence of God will be in this physical structure. God says, no, you're not going to build this temple. Who built the temple? Does anybody know? Solomon. Solomon was David's son. And so we have right after David, right, you know, was Solomon's reign, and we have temples is built here. Temple. I don't know if you can read that. You got it. Temple. Now, everything was great. The people of God had all of these, these songs, poems, and prayers that were written during this season of life, and they would go to the temple and they would experience God, and they would hear these songs and these poems and these prayers. They memorized these things. It was a very important part. It was vitally important to their walk with God is that these songs, these poems, and these prayers represented the presence of God in the temple. And the presence of God was there. So they felt God. They knew God. They, they, they knew the truths of God in their brain because they knew the teachings of Moses, the Torah, and then they got to come into the temple and experience all that with their friends and family that the temple became the presence of God for them. And for many years, this is how the Israelites served God, is they would come to the Jerusalem temple and they would serve God, they would praise God, they would recite these poem songs and prayers in the temple. Then at 600 B.C., something really important happened when it comes to the book of Psalms, and we don't talk about this much. 600 B.C., the Babylonians came in, and they wrecked Jerusalem. And all of the Israelites went into exile. That was at 600 B.C. So imagine these Israelites for hundreds of years have come to the temple to sense God, to bring all of their needs to God, to hear these poems and these songs and these prayers, and that's where they could go to have a relationship with God. Their temple is destroyed. There's nothing left. And these Israelites are scattered all over, all over the land. They're in exile. And it's that point in history that the book of Psalms was actually developed and created and compiled. They took the greatest hits, if you will, of all those songs and those poems and there's those prayers. And they compiled them into one book. And they gave that book to those in exile. And what happened is the book of Psalms 
became the virtual temple. Sorry, my uh, spatial awareness is bad. It became the virtual temple. Now, what that meant is it became the very presence of God for those in exile. And that's what the book of Psalms is. It is a compilation of poems, songs, and prayers to teach you how to relate to God when you are in exile. I was in my early 30s. I had actually late 20s. And I had just finished up with um, a, a ministry position. And I, and I felt that God was moving me into uh, the business world. And I, I started to buy and flip houses. And that's what I, f- I felt like God was calling me is into, in, into this business world of, uh, of houses. And I ended up um, bringing on a number of investors, and we created a team of, um, of people that were out there finding houses, and I would negotiate the deal. I had a construction team that would remodel and flip the houses. And this was, this was before the internet. This is pre-internet, so it was a lot, a lot more difficult, and uh, uh, it's not just about going onto a website now to find something in foreclosure. And so we sort of developed this system uh, to get houses, and then uh, in the mid-2000s, we d- I, I moved into more of a construction development company. Uh, and again, more private equity, uh, reg the offerings, and we started to create a lot of, of uh, private, private money uh, and do large construction projects. And so I did a lot of master plan communities, large multifamily projects in Seattle, uh, and we had three offices th- throughout Washington. And during that season, uh, I felt that God was calling me to be a pastor uh, but it was a pastor in the workplace, and that, it, that I, at that time, was, was speaking to a lot of different organizations. I, was, I, was, I had a businessman's lunch that we'd get together with other business leaders in the community, talk about how to bring God into our companies. Uh, we were encouraging one another. We were praying for each other. Life w- was good. Uh, we had a lot of resources, and I felt like God was, was building a platform for me to preach his word in the business community. And then, like a lot of you, uh, I faced a slight decline in the real estate market. And in 2007, when things started to really get shaky, I thought, this this is okay. Uh, It's going to be a a small blip on the radar, and um, we'll get through this. It got to the point where we ran out of all of our reserves. And by 2008, we were insolvent. I had banks closing down, calling their loans due. I had private investors threatening lawsuit. I went from having a lot to having nothing. Our house was taken away. I had friends and family that I'm trying to protect the best I can in a market where all of a sudden the value was gone. I remember we were going to a large church in, in Seattle area, east side of Seattle. 
And I remember my wife and I at the end of a church service, uh, we walked out of the church service and the, out front of the church, they had a lot of food laid out there. And my wife looked at me and she went over and filled her bag with food. And we had to leverage food from the church for weeks. I was at my, my lowest point I'd ever been at. And I recall going inside three young, young boys. I couldn't sleep during that season. I'd wake up at two in the morning and I'd go lean over the crib and I'd look at these peaceful, this, my son, peacefully sleeping. And I remember feeling how much I let him down. His future now is unknown. I remember in the middle of the night waking up and going to our living room and in front of the fireplace kneeling on my knees, putting my head on the floor, and I didn't have anything to say. But I did, my pain was so deep, I just groaned. I just ached. Everything was gone, and I didn't know what the future was before me. I yelled at God. Where did you go? I've done everything you've told me to do. You brought me here. I've asked you, what do you want me to do? And I've done it. And this is how you treat me. I was in exile. And as I study Psalms today, I get back to that place with my head on the floor, yelling at God, crying, and just letting my pain come out. And I remember as I read chapter 13, you know, if you've read Psalms, there's a ton of these psalms. It gets tiring to hear the complaining. You know what it is? It's David just like me. With his head on the floor, going through struggles. Some of our struggles are man-made, right? Just like David, he screwed it up. But some of our struggles just come from living in a broken world. It's not our fault, but it still hurts. It's pain we cannot bear. And we go to God, and we can use Psalms like chapter 13 says right here. Let me just read you chapter 13. It's a short chapter. This is what, what I read. How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me? How long will you hide from me? How long must I wrestle with these thoughts of failure in my life? 
Every day my heart breaks with sorrow. How long will everybody around me triumph over me? Look at me, God. Answer me. Give light into my eyes. My enemies will cheer at my failure. That's my prayer. I prayed those words. So did David. So did thousands and thousands of other Israelites as they walked in exile. But here's the truth. There's this moment when you recognize that you can be you to God. You be you. You be authentic. You be real. You be you. That there's that moment when we're at our end and we're finally just being completely honest with God and we lay it all down and we yell at him and we blame him and we grieve and we lament that finally at that moment there is this, there's nothing left inside of us. And it's at that moment that the miracle happens and God is able to fill that void and change our perspective and get me through one more day. And in chapter 13, after we hear those laments, those grievances, my heart that night, those nights, those many nights, what we hear is a change in perspective in verse five where it says, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord for he is good. This isn't something that we manufacture and that somehow in my time of need, some, somehow as this author is giving his grievances, that he's just able to muster up this praise. What it is is that when we are authentic and we give it up to God and he's able to fill that place in our heart that before we held so dear, that was empty, that now he fills our perspective changes. It is his grace, his power, his love for us that changes our whole view of the same situation and that we praise him for it. It just naturally comes out. Today, we're just gonna have a corporate prayer time uh, we, as Brent said, we love praying together. We love the altar. And so there's a lot of you that come to Eagle Naz with the expectation that during corporate prayer time, I have a, a desire to pray for this person in my life or this, this issue that's going on in my life. And so I, I, we're going to all have that prayer time. But I, I want you to be aware that if you're going through a struggle, if you feel like you're in exile, some, I think this is a good day for you just to be you. Give it up at the altar. Let, let God fill that void and let's see what happens. I know in a room this size that there are people that don't even know this Jesus. And just like the book of Psalms became the virtual temple, the virtual presence of God for those in exile, that little cross that begins time again is the story that represents Jesus Christ 
that is the exact same thing for you. The virtual presence of God can be yours because Jesus died on the cross for your sin. And that you today, if you've never experienced Jesus in your heart, you today can say, I, inv- I recognize that I'm a sinner and I know that, that Jesus is stirring me, that the presence of God is stirring me to give it up, to be me. You be you. You tell God all the reasons why you don't believe in him. You can tell God all the reasons why he, he's not worth it for you. That's okay. Be you. But somewhere in that void, as you give it up authentically, I trust that God will fill it up and reveal to you how real he is. So we're just going to have a corporate prayer time. Uh, I invite Trevor to come and, and, and play a song for us. And we're going to just pray together. Uh, if you've got some, a burden on your heart, let's bring it to God. If you've got something that, that this sermon has stirred, that you've missed it in Psalms. Psalms is a prayer book that teaches you how to pray when you're in exile, when you're in struggle. Maybe you can remember when you've been in struggle or that you're old enough and mature enough to understand that there'll be another struggle coming. Psalms is a great book to jump into who God is in time of struggle. As Trevor plays, um, I'm just going to pray for you. And, uh, and then I just invite you to come and, and just, just have your time with God for whatever's on your heart. Jesus, it's so good to have a church family like this. We just thank you so much for how you bring us together. Lord, I'm blessed today as I think about Pastor Matt Cochran and how he has been such a support for so many students and families that are going through struggle. Lord, today in this room, I know that there are struggles. There are those that feel like they're in exile. There's there's those that don't even know who you are. Lord, that we would come to the altar. We would find you. Lord, we would come to the altar. We would know that we can be authentic. Jesus, we just invite you to move and guide and direct us this this morning in this, this time of prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, why don't you come, you be you with God as Trevor sings.